At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track mounted accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. To hell and back is in the job description. Being roughed up, scuffed up, run over, kicked, thrown, dropped, dunked, and done the unthinkable is a duty we've embraced for more than 40 years. Through superior engineering and constant innovation, only Pelican has conquered the chaos a life of ambition can dish out. And we've done it to empower you. Welcome to the Real Down on Battle Infinite with your hosts, Dan Perry and Jimmy Skinner, where we talk about everything in tournament kayak fishing. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down, live on Monday nights like usual. I am kicking it solo. I was supposed to have Mr. OG himself, Brian, with me, but I think he's asleep. Uh, they had a rough weekend run in the tournament that we're going to talk about. Uh, they didn't have as much help as normal, so no hate on you, Brian. Uh, we're missing Dan this week. We uh, were planning this show out. Um, as most of y'all know and you hear him talk about, he's a, a lodge member with the Masons. He had something come up he had to attend, is what I'm supposed to say. But if any of y'all caught the show last week, he was talking about some secrets and stuff like that on here. So I'm pretty sure they just came and whacked him and he's gone. So it might just be me from now on. No, I'm just kidding. He's all good. Uh, but yeah, so like and share this up. Uh, we're glad to have everybody back. We got some uh, 
we got two guys on tonight to talk about their experiences up there on the cold water chain at the Paddle and Fin Trail Series number two. Uh, but real quick, everybody noticed the new stuff? Very nice, isn't it? I lost my little podcasting spot in my trailer because I bought a new bed in, for my camper that I can't roll up. And so I can't get to my little table with my little wood background. looks real nice. So I finally convinced the wife to let me convert my our spare room to uh it's already kind of my outdoor room but we kind of make it a spare room for family and stuff like that but i made it my man cave without letting her know that i didn't use those words and she let me do all this so still got some more stuff to add and get all my tackle up on the wall but it looks pretty cool so uh we won't waste too much more time oh i see you chris yeah we were i was giving brian as much time as i could in case he wanted to jump on but it's cool i got it i got it i got plenty of stuff to talk about but without further ado the guys that did the business this weekend, Mr. Eric Polins and Heath Atwell. What's up, fellas? How's it going? What y'all up to? Everybody get back home night, you know, real real safe and everything? No craziness? Yeah. Got to spend a couple hours out on Lake Erie before I did this. I stayed close to home and figured I'd check some spots out there, so... Got back here, ready to do this. Appreciate you. You find anything out there? One of the tournaments I got to cover looks like they had a heck of a weekend out there fishing. Bunch you know, of 90s. I didn't catch anything like anything really noteworthy, but I caught eight different species of fish. And I was trying to think if there was ever a time that I've ever caught more. It was just kind of a kind of a goofy day, but it seemed to catch a little bit of everything, but nothing really to write home about. But just an interesting day, fun time out on the water. No, that's really cool. I I think the most I've done is probably five. I don't think I've ever caught eight. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I had to work today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of, I probably should have worked, but I'm on business. So I kind of like make my own schedule, but doing all of this, I absolutely destroyed the house because I had to take everything out of this room, (laughs) move a whole bunch of big, heavy furniture and then build like, Oh, I had to build that whole little setup outside and then move it in here and all. I just, I'm anybody that's in construction or any kind knows that shopping's probably the hardest part of it. Mm-hmm. Like even if you make a detailed material list, you will forget something. Oh yeah. And I, I'm miscalculated three times doing just this. <laughs> so it took, took way too long. So today was put the house back together day, but looks good though. I appreciate it. There's still a few more things I want to do. Like I can't get the screensaver setting to work. That thing's supposed to be bouncing around pictures and stuff. But, uh, like right now I'm sitting on like a little day bed in here, but I think we're going to put like a nice couch in here or something. And then I'm going to double this. That's probably where I play call of duty. It's a little small TV compared to what I'm playing call of duty on right now, but we'll make it work. I don't know. You put a couch in there. You might fall asleep in the middle of the podcast. The solid chance. There was one a few months ago where I was in the camper and I have one of those big, long, like King size pillows and it was cold. And I like sat back and like wrapped my arms around it. And the next thing I know, like I'm staring at the camera, but I'm not listening anymore. Like, I'm so glad Dan was paying attention because I was just, and then I was like, oh, I'm still here. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah. Well, all right, guys. So uh, this was the second stop on the Paddle and Fin uh, Trail series out there on the Coldwater chain. And I was asking you all about it because this is something I'm not familiar with at all. So I'm going to leave that up to you guys. Either one of y'all want to break down what the cold water chain of lakes is and kind of where and how those fisheries set up. Take it away, Heath. 
Oh, well, I mean, I've only fished it twice, but it's uh, located south of Battle Creek, closer to the is that Indiana or Illinois line? Indiana. Indiana line. Um, so cold water is the furthest southern lake, and then I believe there's four or five lakes attached running northward. Cold water is the biggest one, uh, and then there's one other good-sized lake, and the other connecting lakes are kind of smaller um so it's it, it's a great fishery i mean just for the two times that i fished it, i fished two tournaments on it haven't ever done any pre-fishing other you know the only lake i've actually fished is cold water but i've heard a lot of other guys talking about the other lakes in it uh and there's really good fish pretty much spread throughout the entire chain uh you just got to find them and it, does it have all of the species of black bass? I, I, you know, that's uh, the fish we're going after. It has largemouth, smallmouth. Uh, I don't even know. Do we actually even have spotted bass or no in Michigan? I didn't think we we did. I mean, I've caught a few largemouth that I swear look like a spotted bass, right. <laughs> just because they get that kind of weird barred, you know, look to them up and down their side. So I wasn't quite sure, but. Uh, it, I can't say as though which one runs bigger in the in the chain of lakes, whether it's the smallmouth or the largemouth. The cold water seems to be the bigger fish or the smallmouth. Could be wrong, but yeah, I hate that. no, not at all. Especially in an inland lake. I mean, it's it's right. something. Something's just kind of like great about catching a big smallmouth in a inland lake. You know, I mean, you expect to catch them in a river or in the the big lake connecting lakes, but the isolated inland lakes, you know, you're used to catching largemouth all the time that when you catch a big small mouth, it's like, heck yeah. That I've definitely, that it's like the exact opposite for me. Like we have small mouth. It takes some work and there's only so many areas you can find the big ones here. So like we get spoiled on the big large mouth where y'all get spoiled on a lot better. To me, I feel like y'all get, you know, way better small mouth than you do large mouth. Yeah. And, but that's nice. Uh, so going off of that, kind of tell us what the fishery itself is like. Uh, we got the fish. Kind of what's the layout? You know, grassy, rocky, deep, shallow, clear. What you got? Well, that's what I'd say. When I showed up, it was the first time that I had ever been there. And the first thing that stuck out to me was it was like super clear. Um, you know, you look on you look on Google Earth and it was like, okay, this is a pretty clear lake. But then you got out there and it's like you're in six foot of water. And I mean, there, it's not even a little bit of a break from being able to see down like um, early in the morning, you're just seeing these fish cruise all the way around, like everywhere. There's this fish up in that six foot of water, but like you got out even in 15, mm -hmm. 20 foot of water, you could, you could see the bottom pretty good. Like it, you know, it's, it's super clear. So that was number one. Um, there wasn't as much grass really as I expected. It took a little bit of work to find good grass. It was more just like sand. And then it's, it's kind of a classic Michigan lake in a way, like almost an up north where it goes from sand six foot and then it hits the drop and you're down in 20. Like there, I didn't, I never found much like mid range. It was kind of either real shallow, real deep. It was a, a lot of sand, not a ton of grass. Um, the grass that was there wasn't, it was hard to find like the real, like good grass that you want to fish. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I would say, clear sandy kind of just a typical michigan lake honestly um 
So when I fished it, when we fished it last, uh, you know how we had the fall classic on there last uh, or October, Eric? The mm-hmm. top water had the fall classic. There was a ton of grass in that lake. Like the grass was, I mean, on that ledge dropping out to that 12 to 15 foot, it was like three feet under the water in 12 to 15 foot. And then you even got you even got up into that six foot range and you had, you know, I mean, you had grass all the way up in about four foot. Then you had that nice break from four foot to shore where it was, you know, a nice edge, nothing but sand. Uh, but yeah, so I think I think right now it was a little early in the season for it to really get blooming. I wouldn't think that they would have sprayed by now, but you know, as That's what I was going to say, it's probably a little early, you know, just based off y'all's like climate and stuff compared to, you know, what we get with our grass growth down here. Yeah. What, what kind I, of grass is it? Is it hydrilla or eel grass or? Hydrilla is what I fish most. Yeah. What, that's kind of where I ended up once I kind of found. And, and it's like what he said, it was really just on that break. And then you'd have just a little bit where it would grow up right on that break. And that's really where I ended up catching most of my fish was yeah. kind of off that break on that good hydrilla. See, mine was different. Uh, I spent my entire day up on the flat in that four to six foot range. And you had kind of those, it wasn't really grass, but it was kind of like a, just a sparse algae bloom with just a, a start of a grass, like kind of double all those bats were just roaming like sandy areas in between all that kind of darker you know algae covered bottom um but i tried fishing deep that day and i couldn't catch it i couldn't get a single bite out deep you know i kept throwing chatterbait kept throwing you know deep you know mid mid diving crankbaits uh you know dropping ned rigs out off of off the deep side I couldn't get a pike other than, or a bite other than pike, so I just kind of decided to stick to the shallows. Um, so yeah, just because it's so like different part of the lake, you know, it'd be better in the deep end, and you go halfway up the lake, and then like the bite will be completely different, and the fish will be up on the shallow side. You gotta love the diversity, though. That's what makes it fun. Like yeah. You can you can totally whack them doing one thing, and somebody can totally whack them doing another thing. That's that's something that like when I lose my confidence, it help you keep your confidence. Like right. it's working for him. Somebody's killing it, but they're nowhere near me. So maybe that's just the bite for them. You know, yep. right? Well, that's awesome. That's a lot to know about that fishery. I've you know that's one I, I was hoping to come up there. I was going to make a last minute swing, come up there and hang out and check it out because I I've only been to one you know, fished up North one time and it was, uh, the Mississippi river and, uh, lacrosse and that Sandy bottom threw me for a loop. I was not, apparently I did not do enough research. I went out there into an area I was really confident in on how I like to fish. And I like, you know, it was a little bit clear and I was looking down and seeing all these like Sandy drops, like you were saying. And I was like, Oh, I don't, <laughs> I can't feel my weight in this bouncing it. You know, I can't, there wasn't any grass cause it was up and rushing. Like it was just, totally different world for me well that's that's cool though it's uh, this is gonna make for a good show it's gonna be great to hear when you did one thing and when you did the other a lot of the times when we have tournaments sometimes everybody get i make gunnersville in october everybody caught them on a frog you know so it's kind of the same same story but uh so let's start on the the beginning half of it uh y'all get any pre-fishing in 
No. No pre-fishing. No pre-fishing at all. I gave up pre-fishing last year. I don't <laughs> I don't pre-fish any actually like yeah, like the start of last year I gave up pre-fishing. Cuz I found every time I'd, and I I kind of it it wasn't so much it, the fishing itself that threw me off. Like this is my third season in and the first season I started I was fishing out of an Ascend 10T flat deck, you know, kayak and Eric, you know, some of our bigger tournaments like Muskegon, Gold Lake, and all of that. What usually ends up happening the day of the tournament? The oh, wind's between 15 to 25 miles an hour. And where I pre fished in that little flat neck kayak and caught fish, I couldn't get to. So yeah. then, like, it just threw me off. So I was like, okay, you know what? From now on. And I mean, even though I fish out of a Hobie now, you know, and I can, you know, withstand those winds i just feel that i do better if i just study maps go with the season the time and kind of go off of that feel of it rather than go out there and get a pre-notion of where i should fish and get out there the day of the tournament and not be catching the fish that i was catching pre-fish and then just be totally stumped right. you know so for myself i just feel like i can stay a little more natural to what i'm confident in if I just get there and come up with my plan, game plan in the morning, get there and go fishing. And it's served me pretty, it served me pretty well last year. I mean, other than yesterday and Lake St. Clair, I've been kind of a slow start this year, but you know, I understand where you're coming from on that. It's something I'm starting to consider myself because like when I have time to prepare and I pre-fish either, I can't find nothing and I stress myself out. Mm-hmm. Or you find something and then I have too much confidence. Right. Where neither one of those situations have served me well, but like the one tournament I did decent in this year, I just showed up and fished like that. I just showed up. It was, I've been on this body of water one time. We were at a completely different launch. I'd never seen anything. We just had a good day and it went all right. You know, I didn't, didn't get anywhere close to a check, but I, you know, caught a limit. That's, you know, that's goal one. We'll go one, you know, catch a fish, goal two, yeah. catch a limit. And then, Go, go from there. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> what, I will, what I will say about cold water, this cold water tournament is what kind of gave me my notion of what I was going to do and where I was going to fish was like I mentioned a little bit ago, we had the, our fall classic on cold water last October. Well, it was the first time I'd ever fished the lake and I chose to fish cold water instead of the rest of them. And I just happened to tie on the right bait and ended up winning the tournament last October. Nice. So I was, that was kind of one of the main reasons why I signed up for this one because it was, I was my schedule is pretty full this year. And I was like, you know what? It'd be pretty cool to do a two peat on the same lake. So I was oh, like, yeah. I'm going to sign up for this one and see what I can do. So I just ultimately decided that I was going to fish the same area that I did last October. Why would you? Um, and just, you know, pay attention to what the weather was and then switch my tactic, you know, accordingly. So last October, I threw a jerkbait the entire day, a solid white jerkbait, and uh, got like 94 inches off that lake. Jesus. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, that morning, the wind was zero mile an hour. I'm like, well, the water's a little warmer. There's no wind. So I'm just going to go with a. Solid white walking bait. (laughs) 
And sure enough, by like 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning, I already had like 74, 75 inches. I think it was leading for a little while until Alex and then finally Eric kind of, you know, caught up. But um, yeah, so that was kind of my approach to the whole day. Can't hate a walking bait bite. That's probably one of my favorite things. Oh, man, especially like early season like this, like when it's your first like good day of like it topwater bites, you know, it's just kind of gets that blood going and, you know, gets your kind of adrenaline kicking. And yeah, especially yeah, when yeah. I have 18 and a half inch smallmouth and then a 17 and I think quarter or 17 and a half, maybe, you know, kind of within five minutes of each other. Heck, I was thinking I was going to have another 90 something inch day until all of a sudden I caught another 30, 40, 12 to 13 inches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That yeah, you know that walking bait. It's it's a late year bait for me. Like probably like the heat of the summer going into the end of the year is when I started throwing it. But I, me too, man. It's like I've caught my biggest smallmouth. I caught a nineteen and three quarter on it, and that was probably like the confidence sealer. Right. I'd caught tons of spots, and because I like going out to like Gunnersville and uh, look for the schools of fish blowing up on the surface and just throw that thing in the middle of it and catch just oh, yeah. all those stripe and everything that's out there running. But yeah, right. I love that thing. Well, before we get to Eric's lack of pre-fishing, uh, Chris Marks had a question about the algae blooms. Uh, do you feel the algae bloom robs oxygen and makes it where the fish aren't there? Um, I can't say as though maybe sometimes it, it I don't think it, it, it doesn't seem to affect the smaller fish. Right. <laughs> because, I mean, because like the, the flat, I wouldn't say a hundred percent was algae bloomed over, but I mean, there was those little, like uh, those algae bulbs or whatever you call them, like just scattered, like everywhere on the bottom. And I mean, there was bluegill, there was crappie, there was like small, like uh, two inch, you know, two inch big bluegill kind of in everywhere and there were males all over that flat but i didn't really see a whole lot of anything that was over 16 maybe 15 to 16 so maybe it might kind of push the bigger fish out but uh because where i caught the two smallmouth out just was straight up sand and, and gravel yeah you know what so you, I, you got any input about the algae uh yeah I general rule of thumb, if I'm fishing around a bunch of algae, I, I'm probably going to leave, uh, for, for nothing, for nothing else. Like I can't speak to the biology of it. I, I don't know that I'm that smart to give a real good answer, but I can tell you that for me, when I'm, when I'm trying to fish and I'm getting stuck on algae, every other cast, I just get frustrated having to deal no. with it. So I'm trying to leave and find something else because, um, if nothing else, like in my head, that's just not what I'm trying to do. Um, but I think it's more of the frustration of actually just getting algae all over every bait that you're trying to throw. I, I can't really speak to the biology of it, but. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. 
Um, that, that's me. I, I definitely think there's, I think he's hit it pretty good just from like experience. I always think there's fish in the area. I mean, obviously there's other factors, but I definitely think that it does not maybe take the oxygen levels down too much, but it probably does make it harder for them to efficiently absorb oxygen. Um, which is why I think bigger fish, I don't tend to see them in the heavy algae as much as because the, they're already, the bigger fish already need more oxygen and, yeah. you know, they, they're bigger, it's more energy, more stress. Um, and I could be completely wrong. It's just something that I've, I've kind of seen and think, but I'm right there with you, Eric. Usually if I roll up into a spot, I make a cast and it comes back covered in algae, I'm out. Like I'll, I will immediately make a run 50 yards check. And I will do that until I get away from that algae. <laughs> and sometimes the edge, the edge of the algae, like sometimes they'll be there. And sometimes that'll be the deal. Like if you can find one spot that just doesn't have algae and a whole field of everything else that does have algae, that's that'll where be the spot at. where they're all eating. Yeah. Um, just from my own experience, though, I've never caught them good enough when there's all that algae around for me to want to stick around. Yeah, I definitely can agree with you there. For me, it's finding when that kind of ends. Usually if it's like, like a, like a big shoreline of it and you find that little rock cropper where the grass line comes in or something that filters that out. That's where I start to find the fish. So I feel you on that. Well, so back to you again, Eric. So you didn't get any pre-fishing in there, right? No. And, and it's funny that you hear, hearing he say that and, and him and I had never really talked about it before, but I kind of have the same approach. Uh, I feel like when I, a lot of times when I go and pre-fish, like, I feel like one of two things happens like either one, I'm sticking the fish that I probably want to catch on tournament day or, or two, I'll just, I'll get locked into something and then it changes. So here I am fishing yesterday's or two days ago or last week's fish. I'm not fishing today's. I feel like, you know, eight hours is a lot of time. And, uh, and you know, maybe you're not going to find the five best fish, but I feel like in eight hours, if I stick with what I'm doing, I'll be able to come across five that are hungry. Oh, yeah. So that, that's just kind of where, where I'm at there. So I, like him, I do a lot more map study and just try to find what you can online and filter out what's good, what's not good. Like for this particular one, I found a write up on cold water chain that said, you know, there's a couple areas that that's where the largemouth are caught. And I thought, cool, I guess I'll go there and just kind of chuck around and, and see what happens. The The other thing that kind of goes along with that, like I, I like fishing shallow. If, if I had it my way, I would stay probably six foot, six foot or less grass, you know, and just kind of go to town. And a lot of times when it's shallow, you're not necessarily fishing for a big giant group of fish. It's just kind of one here, one here, one here, and just cover a bunch of water and put some bites together. And then if you do catch, you know, get a good area where they're really loaded up, then that's just a bonus. So for me, like, that's just kind of what I'm going to go do. So whether I pre-fish it or don't pre-fish it, that's kind of what I'm going to try to lock into. I mean, obviously you got to pay attention to what's in front of your face and it's not always going to work out that way, but that's always going to kind of be my starting point, whether I pre-fish or not. And then I'm just going to cover as much water as I can and try to kind of find those bites. And in my day was almost the exact opposite of him and just talking about the numbers and everything else. I think I was about five hours into the tournament and I had four fish. Um, so I'm kind of stuck trying to get number five. I was rolling around in my head, like, I'm not really sure what I need to be doing that I'm not doing, but I know what I'm doing is not really working right now. 
but it was about that time that the wind really started picking up. And, and I think that that was the biggest thing for me. I came around, uh, I came around, I was kind of fishing back to where I was and there's a point that sticks out and I found it because I tried to cross over earlier and I completely beached my kayak, which there was a guy fishing pretty close. He thought that was pretty funny. So I'm, <laughs> there and I, I'm like, I'm stuck good. So I got my oar out and I'm like, I'm trying hard. I'm rocking to get it off of that. So when I came back to it, I thought, man, that wind is blowing hard and it was blowing hard right on it. So I thought, you know, maybe there's some fish kind of pulled up into that. And uh, once I got back to that spot, I caught it 18 and a half, which nice. was, was the second biggest of the tournament. So I was pretty pumped up about that. I'm thinking, okay, you know, I might have something going now. That was my fifth fish. And then I, I got to the end of it and I, I kind of circled back around. I was going to go. And here comes this aluminum boat and parks about a half uh, a cast in front of me and starts fishing right down it. And they keep, you know, and they keep looking back at me, like wanting to know why I'm so close, like one of those type of things. And I just kind of got a chuckle out of it. I'm like, all right, well, I, so I'm, I'm just going to go, like, I'm not going to make this a big thing, but I got around to the other part and it was, it was super shallow. It was only like six inches of water, but that wind was kind of blowing over top of it. So I got around to the other side and where that wind was blowing over top of it, I caught a 17 and a half right there. Um, and then it, basically within an hour and a half, I caught a 18 and a half, 17 and a half. And then I caught a 1875, just like in a short stretch in about an hour, hour and a half. Wow, you can't hate on that. It's a great feeling when it finally, especially when it's been a long day and it just kind of like, you get that like magic hour where it just falls together. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen to me too often, but it sounds nice. <laughs> Hey, I can hate on it a little bit because before he caught those three, I was beating him by a quarter inch <laughs> with an hour and a half left. Oh. <laughs> it was, yeah, well, it was starting to come down to the end, and I, and I caught the 18 and a half, and then I caught the 17 and a half, and that was the first time that I had checked the leaderboard. Right. I, I don't like to watch the leaderboard when I'm fishing. I, I just figure if I put up my five best, I'll figure out where I finish. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not too worried about it. Um. You know, because sometimes you finish good, sometimes you don't. So I'm sitting yeah. here watching, and if I see that Heath has 97 inches, like that's going to do me no good. That's not going to make my fishing better. I'm going to sit here scratching my head, wanting to know how how do, how does Heath have 97 or or you know whatever. But right. I but I looked at it and I thought, okay, like there's a couple guys right here at 80. I don't know if I I know that I was towards the top. I don't know that I was winning yeah. or not. And then uh, it wasn't that much longer that I caught that third big one. What's What's funny is that I'll go back and I and I kind of check my time stamps. I'll go back and look at other tournaments that I fished. But mm-hmm. the, last, the last tournament that I had won, the time frame, like if you overlapped them, the same hour and a half period, um, I caught three big fish in each of those tournaments from about 11 o'clock to 1230. And it's, it's just, it's weird how that happens sometimes. And like, if you yeah. go back through and really dig into the, consistency of your numbers and when the bite happens when it doesn't happen it's sometimes it's really weird kind of how aligned it really gets and you know those were multiple states away you know probably 800 miles away the two lakes fishing nothing alike but then just the timetables it seemed like the big bites just snapped on for the same period same time everything it's just it's kind of strange to look back to and i'm 
I'm a, I'm a math teacher. So I'm kind of into the, the numbers end of it and just like looking at that type of stuff. And it just blows my mind. I don't know if it means much, but I'm, I'm glad I'm not because I would use all sorts of ratios and stuff. against me. <laughs> well, I've got a one in 738,000th chance of making this happen. <laughs> well, the work, see, and that's why, that's why I don't check the leaderboard anymore. Cause I'd look at it and I'd be like, all right, I'm out. <laughs> I'm, I'm three inches behind and my small fish is this. So I could either catch one that's 19 inches, but if I don't catch one that's 19, I catch one that's 17 and a half and I'll go through all these scenarios and add up all these different numbers and stuff. And then by the time, the next time you post a fish, you look back at the leaderboard and three people had upgraded. So not all that math and all that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I understand. I definitely, I do my best. Like, I try not to look at the leaderboard until like mid morning or midday, just depending on like what kind of day it is. Yeah. Um, I definitely, even when I'm catching them, I don't like to know like a lot of guys that were like, Oh, I got me good five. I'm going to throw these up and I'm going to look at them and I'm not, I don't like sandbag or nothing, but I'll post them, but I will not look. I just don't want to know. Like I would rather them text me after the tournament and be like, Hey, you need to be here for sure. You won. Be like, oh, okay, cool. Right. I don't I don't need to know, which is not gonna happen. I I'm the worst tournament fisherman. I, I've got one <laughs> one other buddy that's I would arguably say he's not worse, but he has more bad luck for tournament fishing. I don't know if y'all would know him, but Steve Owens. Um he runs some of the Tennessee clubs down here. He held a lot of the Bassmaster stuff. He helped start all that with the kayak series. And he's kind of known it's just a joke. That man loses more giant fish. And has a better like the pre-fishing day of the tournament, he will absolutely wreck them. Now he still finishes good, you know. He's got a bunch of nice, you know, checks and stuff in his fishing career, but he always will tell you about the one that got away and have someone right beside him that was watching it. it was like, oh yeah, you know, he had a nine break off at the boat, you know. Oh, well, he caught three eight yesterday in practice, like just which goes back to the pre-fishing thing, like you said, you don't want to hook the fish you need. Yeah. Right. And, and when it's not really going to affect how I'm going to fish that day, like, but, but, but there's other times too, where I have pre-fished and I found one area and I just sat there all day and it does work, but I'm more worried about that. Like, you don't, you don't want to be the guy that won pre-fishing, you know, you definitely how it is pre-fishing and you come out and you drop 82 for the tournament and finish mid pack. And it's just like, you know, or you, you rage quit. Like I do. I have a problem with that. (laughs) Rage quit. (laughs) I, (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 still upset with myself for how i handled texas but that was just just a series of bad days that just ended in a freaking fireball but whatever we're not gonna get into that so um so eric you're you're big fish one big fish correct you're 1875 yeah, yeah. so i oh. had 1875 and then the 18 and a half i think was the second biggest of the tournament mm-hmm. also so i you know i i just i got in some ways got lucky, you know, like the wind, the wind came up and like, it was about the time that I noticed that the wind came up. Like I looked, I was like, Oh wow. You know, there's wind. <laughs> um, but it was about that time that just like, and then I look up and I saw that and I thought that is exactly what I'd want to be fishing with the wind. So it just, and then it was there, you know? So it's, it's, it's nice when it starts to kind of come together like that and you can look at it and you're like, sweet, you know, this is, this is where I want to be. But, um, what what's funny about the big bass is I, I had a buddy that was out there and, and he was going to come fish by me. He, he told me the day before I told him where I was going to be at. 
And he had just met up with me and I'm kind of cast around and I just looked back and I said, Hey, and stuff. And we're, you know, shooting the breeze for maybe, maybe a minute or two. And then I, I hooked that big fish. So we're in the middle of the conversation and I'm reeling it in, I'm fighting it. And then I, I get it in the net and I threw it in the, I threw it in the bottom of the boat and I looked up and I said, you know, I, I think I might have a real shot to win this now. He goes, well, what do you mean? And I hold it up out of the net. He goes, you just caught that? <laughs> he didn't realize that I had a fish on the, the whole time. You know, I'm just, I'm super dialed in. It was just, it was kind of funny how it all worked out. But See, it was, I would have had that opposite approach. I would have just let it in the bottom of the boat. I'm like, no, nah, fishing sucks here, man. You can keep going. I would fish here. It's terrible. Well, I, he didn't, he didn't realize that um, Paddle, and fin, Paddle and Finn was handing out the identifiers at, at the boat ramps. Mm-hmm. So he had missed his opportunity to get the identifier. So he paid for the tournament. But he had kind of missed the boat and you know it's it's user error, it's just stuff happens. I guess you learn better for next time. But he wasn't at that point, he was just kind of floating around. He's like, Well, do you mind do you mind if I just kind of hang hang close to you, watch you fish? I'd kind of like to see what you got going on. I see you're up there in the leaderboard. Do you mind if I just watch? I don't care, dude. Do whatever you want. You can fish too, just stay behind me. You know, and if you if you catch a twenty, I might come out and flip your kayak. But other than that, you know, I don't mind if you if you want to watch. I can't. I had a little episode like that. We had one of the Alabama Bass Nation events, which I host down here. We had real low participation, which you know it was thrown together at the last minute, and you know there's other <laughs> stuff going on. But I had a buddy go with me that didn't pay that fished in front of me and completely whacked them all day, and I rode the struggle bus. And I almost drowned him, you know. <laughs> that, that's not, and, and it was it was funny because the whole time in my head I'm thinking, my man's gonna catch a giant. Like it's it's just gonna happen. He's gonna catch the one uh, one that I need fishing close. But you know, it, it it is what it is. He he's a good guy. He's a buddy of mine, so I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't mind too much. But I was really hoping that he didn't steal the one I needed. Oh yeah, I mean, did did I miss out on a check? Probably. Do I care? Not really. It's not a big deal. You know, he had a. He had a killer day on the water. I got to take some pictures of it. I mean, I caught fish too. And skinny water, smallmouth fishing, you know, it's always fun when you're catching them. So, mm-hmm. and, and had I realized that that was going to be the big fish again, it goes back to not looking at the board. Like I, I had no idea that that was going to be big fish. And when they, when they announced at the announcements at the, or at the award ceremony, I thought, why, you know, okay, I might, I might have a good chance of winning it then because I knew that I had one that was real close to the same size. Right. Um, but had I known that he was sitting right there, he could have taken a picture of it. I'm like, Hey, sweet. 1875. And I just threw it back. You know, we weren't thinking pictures or anything. And then after the fact, it was like, yeah, okay. That probably would have been a good picture to have, but yeah, I'm, I'm real bad about that. I love taking pictures of everything going on, but when it comes to like the stuff for me, I really like zone out and forget. I don't, like I'll catch big fish and I'll take like the basic, you know, grip and grin. So, I mean, and I don't even do that all the time. And then I realize it and like, Oh, there was a golden opportunity I forgot about, but <laughs> right. Well, I didn't go over the numbers, you know, so sorry for that. So here, let me hit that real quick. So Eric, obviously uh, you won with 86 uh, anchored with that 18 and three quarter. And like you said, you had an 18 and a half and a 17 and a half right behind it uh heath you were second place you had an 18 and a quarter so you had a really good fish too man you had an 81 and a half and then uh third place was alex roberts uh with 80 inches so pretty tight you know second and third place uh eric kind of stretched out on him a little bit you know oh yeah 
Yeah, all three of us were like within, I don't know, a half inch of each other, an inch for probably about two, three hours, four hours maybe, right in day. And then... uh That was probably the last time I, I, I checked the leaderboard probably 10 or 11 a.m. And that's what I saw. I saw... I saw y'all, I think you were leading when I looked. I think Eric was just then like starting to come up on y'all or something. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Say, so I didn't. I know I didn't have a limit at that point. I still probably only had maybe three fish at ten. No, I think it was about eleven thirty or so, eleven maybe that you and Alex both passed me, um, and you guys were tied with like eighty inches, even. And then I think you upgraded one more. And then I turned around and upgraded like three fish that put me like a quarter inch over you. And like 15, 20 minutes later, the standing shut off. So then I was a real stressor starts for like the next hour and a half. Like, Oh my God, don't upgrade. Don't upgrade. Don't upgrade. (laughs) He upgraded. That's (laughs) when people first started turning the leaderboard off. That's when it started to get interesting. Yeah. Uh, To me though, like, I guess I love the excitement of like knowing that closeness because one, it kind of drives me to focus harder on my fishing, but I just, I mean, that to me, that's exciting. Like knowing that me, Eric and Alex were all three, like kind of neck and neck four hours that day, even though I was like, kind of like, I mean, I jumped out pretty quick ahead of everybody, but I mean, I was glad to see like two other guys like just kind of get right up in there in the mix and make it a competition, you know, like, oh yeah, it, like that was just exciting to me. Like I had a blast with it, like just grinding and grinding. Like after, like Eric said, when the wind picked up, <clears throat> so the top water bite died off at about 930, I think, as soon as that sun really kind of broke up high. So then I struggled for like two hours trying to figure something out. And I had one rod on my kayak that wasn't rigged up and it was my Ned rig rod. And I was like, okay, you know what? I think it's time that I finally tie a damn Ned rig on my rod. So I tied a Ned rig on and then that wind started blowing and I got up there on top of the flat and I just started chucking that Ned rig up in like four to six foot of water. And literally every single cast, I was catching a 12 inch or a 13 inch or a 14 inch or a 13 and three quarter, a 12 and three quarter. So I spent that next four hours grinding through about 40 different fish, trying to upgrade another two inches. Which is still fun too, man. When you're, when you're digging, trying to upgrade and the fish are, you're on them. I mean, you're not on any size, but it's fun. Like, what's this one? No. What's this one? Ah, there's a quarter inch. I actually hooked up into one that probably pushed 16, 16 and a half that jumped off. So that would have upgraded me probably two inches. And then I jumped off another one that might have been about 15 to 16. So I could have potentially got maybe another three inches out of it. But 
uh, yeah, I mean, my freaking arm was wore out by the, just out of that three hours. Like, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, just constantly, like, just setting that hook on that Ned rig. And I was like, oh, my Lord. What's your, um, we like to, when we hear about uh, what bait was working for somebody without giving away any secret or anything, like, what's your go-to setup for Ned rigs? Mine? Um, what is that? The I mean, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's that, uh, so I use like, uh, was a three thirty second. What's the one under the quarter ounce? Like, I don't go super light with my Ned rigs. Yeah. I don't really see the reason to it, especially when you're trying to like kind of do a combo of fishing from like six foot out to right. like 15 foot. So I kind of just stay with that heavier size. What's that? Uh, that yeah. What's that? That Z man tickler Z or ticklers. The one yeah. that's got the four little freaking tentacles on the end of it. Hula stick? No, isn't it the hula stick? Comes it might off be. I'm not too it. familiar. If, Brad, if you're still watching this, you're a Z-Man guy. I saw your comment. Which one is it? You're a Z-Man dude. I, I mean, honestly, I've had, like, I don't throw a Ned rig a ton. Like, it's always kind of a last resort to me. Like, I'm not a true finesse fisherman. Like, I'm. I love like moving baits, like heavier things, top water cranks, like chatter bait and like Texas are probably my two biggest confidence baits I got. Um, but I do seem to do a lot better throwing that little bait than I do a lot of the other Ned rigs. Yeah. And it's really I'm, I'm not a, I'm with you. Ned rigs the craze, but it's not my thing. Like, yeah. I don't give it enough time. I hate throwing yeah, it. that little kind of like, Ding, 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 ding. Like that just kind of annoys the crap out of me sitting there doing that for hours. Like but, I've got the patience for like, I love throwing a drop shot. Yeah. And I love throwing Texas rigs. Um, And I, I will work a Texas rig deadly slow, but for some reason yeah. I cannot stand working an Ed rig. I just don't, I don't, some guys will go out there and they will cash big checks on it and they will run old Ned, you know, deadly Nedley all day. And I don't care. I'm not going to do it. If that's what took to win that tournament, I was out from the beginning because I wasn't going to throw it. Yeah. No, period. Wasn't happening. <laughs> I, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I do feel like I need to keep it as an open option more than what I do because I'm kind of like a, you know, willing to die by the sword kind of guy you know like i sometimes i get myself caught up in well i've done so well on the chatterbait that i'm just gonna keep freaking whipping that chatterbait oh you know? and i'll switch it to freaking five different colors and go back to the first color and put a different trailer on it you know and then still not catch nothing so uh, you know yeah i feel like uh every year though i do try to pick up a new or try to gain more confidence in a new tactic. You know, oh, with definitely. being my third year in, I'm still kind of like low on the pole as far as what I've gained confidence in. Uh, Chatterbaits and Texas rigs like served me very, very well last year. Uh, I mean, I think I placed top 10 in 50 per, over 50% of the tournaments I fished. Nice. This year so far starting out, it's not <laughs> – it, it's not serving me as well. So, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's, but I definitely need to just keep growing and diversifying and just kind of, you know, branching off and gaining confidence in other big way too. 100%, man. That's the, the 
most fun thing about this for a lot of people, especially me, is the learning. Like, I know some guys that are just stuck in their ways and they work for them and that's fine. But I like to, every time I hear about at an event I was in, or even, it's even worse now that I do the podcast hearing every week about a guy winning. Anytime it's on something I have no confidence in, it just kind of like strikes the fire to like, okay, I need to learn how to do this. But it's terrible for my pocketbook. Like, oh, yeah. this isn't even a quarter of what I got to figure out how to put up here. And I'm already got running out of room, you know, and because it's them and YouTube and, you know, mm-hmm. before you know it, there goes oh, that money. YouTube is my worst enemy right now. I, I like YouTube is my wife's worst enemy right now. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 it was kind of crazy. I was a big YouTube guy until I started doing the podcast. Same with podcasts. I used to listen to when I started doing them. I kind of like backed away from YouTube, backed away from not for any real reason. It just kind of happened. Yeah. But it's not watching tactical bass videos has helped me so much. And those guys moved within two hours of where I live. And <laughs> now their videos are even more relevant since it's not a California lake. It's right. kind of yeah. water. So I can't watch them no more because I've got so much crap. Like I gave away a box the other day that was big plastic moving tote. It was about half full of plastics. And baits I'd never opened that I would never use. And I just, I was going to sell them. And then I was just like, I got a better idea. My buddy was coming by to pick up something and I was like, go through it. And he's like, well, can I just have all of it? And I was like, get it away from me. <laughs> those, those are the guys that I first started watching like year or two years ago. <laughs> Killer show. If for oh, anybody yeah. that listens to this, if you are, you know, starting out and looking for a good channel, I will definitely say they're probably one of the most thorough YouTube channels. Oh, yeah. Check I out mean, Tactical Bass and you just, will learn something. Yeah, especially just understanding the difference of setups and baits. Yeah. And they do, they have underwater footage and then they'll oh, talk yeah. you. My, my favorite thing is them talking me through it while they do it catching fish. Like, yeah. Not a lot of guys can do that. And they'll be like, we're going to do a whole video on working this swim bait and then he will film doing it and figuring out a pattern. I mean, and mm. how and why it's great. So definitely highly recommended it. Yeah. Well, Eric, real quick, I'll give you a chance. Your productive bait that for the tournament last weekend, uh, what's, what's your go-to setup for everything? So, uh, I mean, I, I threw a tatter bait for eight hours. Uh, and that, and that's, and that's what I like to do. Uh, there was one time where, uh, when I, when I saw him swimming around, I, cause it was so, there's no wind and I saw him kind of cruising. I was trying to throw a wacky rig, just kind of out and lead him a little bit. And I wasn't catching anything. At one point I picked up a Texas rig and I threw it about three casts, got bit off by a pike. And I just, I mean, I threw a chatterbait for eight hours and that's. So with um, that relatively clear water, what's a, like. You don't have to give the exact color if you don't want to, but like, what are you? Green pumpkin. Okay. So. And uh, I I own two colors. Um, I I do own one that has a little bit of chartreuse in it. That's it. And and uh, you know the the guy the guys that I fish with a lot they uh, they kind of know the deal. And uh, you know for for a while they'd say, hey, what were you what were you catching them on? I, they don't. Most they don't, ask of them don't bother to ask now because they they already kind of know that that's just. So when they start fishing with you, you start noticing they've got it tied on too. What's that? It, it's to the point now that when they fish with you, you notice that they have the same thing tied on too. 
Oh, for sure. And okay. and there's there's been times where I'll I'll reach down, I'll get one, and I'll fasten it up just the way I have, and I I give it to them. I there's really there's no secret really about it. I it's green pumpkin, green pumpkin trailer. I usually dip the tail in a little chartreuse. I don't know if it makes a difference, but in my head, that's just kind of what works, I like to do. It works, and you got confidence in it, man. That's the deal. In 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 you know I whether it's Alabama or Tennessee or Florida or anywhere that I've gone, they seem to really like it. And there's other stuff that, that I'm good at that I like to do. It kind of goes back to what you guys were saying, just knowing how to do stuff. Like mm-hmm. my switch up when I don't want to go throw a chatterbait is I go smallmouth fishing. But yeah. When I'm largemouth fishing, that's that's going to be probably 95% of what I'm doing. And Are you throwing the jackhammer or original or? It's uh. I, I honestly, God, I don't know what the series is called, but it's not the jackhammer and it's not the original somewhere between I, they only sell it on tackle warehouse and I don't know okay. the best one. I don't know if it's better than jackhammer, but I, I bought uh, a handful of jackhammers one time to try out and I lost all of them in the morning to pike. And I said, I'm not spending. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 16 bucks a piece on these to lose them all to pike. Yeah. Bucks that work. And, uh, they first cast that morning, Eric, I lost a brand spanking new one that I bought just the day before first cast. <laughs> I, did, I did the same thing last year. It, <laughs> and like, I I'm pretty that. good about not losing them. Now, obviously yeah. we don't have pike or, I mean, something bites your line off here. It may probably a gar basically the same thing. But uh, it's definitely a bait when I pop one off, I go after it. Because like you were saying, I, I'm typically a shallow water guy. And 16 to $20, especially like when you go get one at the gas station on your way to the ramp that morning, you ain't getting it for $16. No. I paid 22 for one, and I'm not proud to admit that. But they had the color I needed and the size. So I'm excited. I don't know if you've given them a chance yet. They got that new crawl size out. You know, I uh, I don't remember who it was, but there was somebody who was telling me about them and said that they really liked them. I, I hadn't tried it yet. It's very similar to a jackhammer. It's, obviously, it's a Z-Man. Um, a few subtle differences, but for the most part, it kind of works the same. But they talk about – we had a great episode with, uh, I think it's Glenn Young from Z-Man on the final cast. And he was talking about, like, if you're having – throwing the jackhammer and you're having hookup issues to pop on the cross eyes. And uh, it's only ten bucks, so might be worth taking a look at. Does that one come in kind of like a puffed out plastic container, like not like a regular like soft plastic with cardboard? Like it's kind of like a wide. Like no, the the, the cross size comes in the same packaging, just like a jackhammer does. It's got the the cardboard stapled over the little plastic right. bag. See, I got to look because uh, there's a store here in Grand Rapids that I went into that I f- found out that actually have jackhammers and like pretty much the entire line of Z-Man chatterbaits. Well, I seen a new one on the shelf that I've never seen before that came in kind of a, like a hard plastic, you know, 
puffed out package. And mm -hmm. for the me, I can't remember the model name was, but it was cheaper than a jackhammer, but I've never seen it before. I wonder if that's the new Willow vibe that they have. Maybe that's what it maybe that does kind of sound ring ring a bell. That's we a have a tackle shop. Patterns. Right. We we have a tackle shop down here that has basically everything and they don't have the Willow vibes yet. So I don't know what their packaging looked like. So there's a solid chance that's what it was. Because to my to my knowledge, they are very new. Um yeah. Yeah, I mean, and like, I hear good things. It's supposed to be like a good finesse option for chatterbait fishermen. But we, you know, I think it says something finesse. about it being a finesse. Yeah, type it, or something. It's supposed to be smaller hooks, smaller profile stuff like that. Maybe weedless. I, I think so, and uh, I know they were talking about because Brad that runs that show, he's a big smallmouth guy, and he was talking right. about how this smaller setup should make it more appealing for smallmouth fishing. So, right, I got to pick some of those up. I mean, they had great color patterns to them, you know. Oh, yeah. That, that's probably the thing that gets me with chatterbaits more than anything is the colors. I yeah. like looking at them all in the box. I'm like, mm -hmm. ooh, this one looks good with the gold blade, and this one looks good with the black blade, and this one looks good <laughs> with the red, you know. I got two or $300 in jackhammers over there that yeah. colors I've never thrown. No, you know, no comp. Because I, I, I'm like you. When I go out there, black and blue, green pumpkin, and spot remover is like my favorite, like oh, clear water. Remover. I love the spot remover. That's my color. Yeah. I've had the most luck on white and chartreuse, and I don't have one anymore. I, I just like try to make a shove spot remover down their throat, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I threw a white, I threw the white and chartreuse with a kind of a, uh, the, the white solid bottom with like the, the translucent glue. Yeah. Swim bait tail on it. Never got a hit on it. One bite. I did pick up and tie on the the, the, the solid pumpkin, green pumpkin one that I had a uh, twin tail curly rub tail on it. Threw that for about maybe 30 minutes. Never got a hit. So I was like, okay, well, that ain't going to be it. Then I just kind of <laughs> gave up on the chatterbait. like... <laughs> Which you is see, just like like we talked about in the beginning. Like I normally throw the chatterbait for eight hours. Like I love throwing that thing. But just like we talked about at the beginning, though, it's crazy how you know you're doing one thing on one end of the lake, and then he's yeah. doing one thing on the other end of the lake, and it just works for for you know each of you how it should. Oh, wrong one! Boom. <laughs> Jeff Morrow, my guy. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. See, your boy's not taking the jackhammers and chatterbaits down to the salt, Chris. That's just a guaranteed me losing way more money than I'm going to get back <laughs> in fishing, so it's not happening. Well, uh, one last thing to touch on since it's kind of new. Um, how did y'all like the Paddle and Fin Trail Series? How'd it go? Uh, it was like, good. Um, it was a little bit different for me uh, with the... I'd never fished a tournament with just like the board checks and the identifiers. And mm. it, uh, it, I was kind of curious to see how that was going to work out because I, I live two hours away from cold water. So to get out of work, drive all the way out there, drive back home and then have to wake up super early and do it. So I was happy that they were able to work with me and um, just come to the ramp, but it was super smooth, super easy. And then um, I thought the award ceremony went, went well. Um, the complete fishermen, I know, donate a bunch of sweet giveaways and the awards were all real nice. Um, 
I, I thought that it was really good production for everybody involved and just everything that went into it. I, I thought that it was a really good series, really good event. Glad to hear it, man. They, I know they're, they're trying really hard, man. They, the, I know the identifiers has been kind of hard with, you know, we got a lot more leniency down here with having in-person stuff now, but um, they're, they're making it work. I know it's a little difficult to get the identifiers to people uh, in some of this stuff, but but the first year, they'll work all those cobwebs out. What about you, Heath? How do you think it went? I, th- I thought it went great. Uh, same with Eric. You know, I mean, it was uh, definitely a different thing. We're not used to having, like, you know, measuring boards checked and actual ID was handed to us. Later, all, like, illuminated and looking all professional and everything. We kind of print our own out and, you know. But, uh, it, I mean, everything went great. Uh, one thing I thought was really cool is just, you know, us being up here in Michigan, it's it, we're like so far north. It seems like for us to get a chance to really fish with like people from other states, we always have to travel south to like really do it most of the time. So it was cool to have a different trail come up into Michigan and not on Lake St. Clair. Yeah, yeah. Like give us a chance to actually, you know, meet guys from other states and fish with them and conversate and stuff like that. And still uh, kind of have a competitive advantage. It's your water. Yeah. 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 You know, um, but I mean, all in all, the exact in the same, like Eric said, the award ceremony went great. You know, everybody was, you know, friendly. It was uh, professionally done. Um, you know, the awards were great. The giveaways, you know, that was all first class. So, um, awesome, man! I know everybody's glad to hear it, and we're we're definitely glad y'all enjoyed yourself. You know, they their whole thing is making it for the anglers, so sounds like they're doing a good job. Yeah, you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up! We'll shout forward. out to Susie and Brian and Jay and Matt and all those guys that did it. I look forward to traveling to what uh, tournament is that that we're invited to now that we Top played we did? the championship lacrosse. championship at lacrosse, yeah. Yeah, hopefully I, can I will make be it. there for that. I can't. I've got to go back and gain back all the confidence I lost lost in lacrosse. <laughs> and, and where is that one at? Lacrosse? Where's that? Mm-hmm. Lacrosse, Wisconsin, Mississippi, Wisconsin, Mississippi River, probably pool seven, eight, nine. Oh, they might just be do one pool. Probably be about somewhere seven, eight hours for you, Heath. Yeah, it's worth it. That town. Yeah, amazing food. Is it? super everybody there is super nice it's kind of like you know the town's kind of built around lacrosse is known for the the fishing in the area a lot of crappie boats and or, uh, bluegill yeah. fishing and stuff like that definitely make it if you can though and i'm sure you know brian and the guys are doing a lot for these trail events i'm sure they're going to go all freaking out for the championship so you definitely don't want to miss it especially since you qualified so that's awesome oh yeah yeah definitely well guys we are Right here at the end of our time, we try to keep it around an hour. I know everybody's tired on Monday nights. Um, we like to give you all the time to shout out any of your sponsors or whoever makes fishing easier for you. So, Heath, take it away. Uh, pretty much the only person I want to uh, shout out to is uh, Minnow's Bait Company, uh, Custom Lures. Uh, Nate Chandler owns that. Uh, does an amazing job, uh, you know, Doing custom paint jobs on hard baits, walking baits, uh, jerk baits, crank baits, lip lifts, walleye baits. Uh, uses top notch gear on them and stuff. So, uh, if anybody's ever looking for a good custom bait at a good place, you know, look them up. Minnows Bait Company. 
Very nice. And you go shout out to your wife for setting up all the electronics and tech yep. stuff. Shout out to my wife that's now in bed sleeping because it's so late. But, you know. <laughs> all right, man. Well, congrats and I appreciate it. What about you, Eric? Um, you know, I, I'm thankful for, uh, you know, the same thing I said last time. I don't have any sponsors or anything like that. Um, not really a priority of mine. Maybe, maybe, uh, one day the right opportunity come, come around and we'll figure something out. But for me, it's just, you know, my, my brothers, my family, my dad, just my one brother in particular, we grew up fishing together. We kind of got into this thing, not kayak fishing, but just fishing a little bit of tournaments and stuff. And I always give him a call and kind of roll some things off of his brain. And he gives me a hard time if I don't do all that good. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's fun. It just it keeps it light. It's nice to have somebody who understands fishing to kind of bounce some ideas off of and just roll back and forth. So I always appreciate that. Of course, my dad is the president of my fan club and, uh, and I'm sure that he's going to pass along this link to, everybody that he knows at least once uh, <laughs> and make sure that they get to, a chance to see it. So no, that's great. And if, if he has trouble with it, you just message me, I'll send you the link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, Hey, look, I, I'm, I'm having a whole bunch of fun. You know, I, I fish to have fun. I'm not worried about the sponsor part of it. I'm not worried about anything else. It, if ever this, if ever I stopped having so much fun doing this, I just quit doing it. I, I, I said it last time I was on, I'll say it again. I'd fish one every single day if I could. And that's oh, yeah. the truth. I just, I'm having a ball. I'm, I'm fortunate to where I've done well in a couple of tournaments. And um, I appreciate, appreciate you having me on again. I wish Daniel could have been here. I, I, I was really hoping to hear about his, uh, his tournament down there on Lay Lake, but I appreciate you having me on. You know, I just keep my fingers crossed. Maybe I can do it one more time. And, uh, and thanks. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, or I'm sorry. I appreciate you guys letting <laughs> me have y'all on and, uh, I'm sure I'll see y'all again. Uh, it sounds like Heath's got a streak going on up there as well. And Eric, you're doing killer this year. So I'll be glad to have y'all back on the show. And, uh, if y'all need anything, let me know, but thank you, fellas. Pleasure meeting you and appreciate it. Thank you. See you, Eric. All right. Couple of great guys there. Super cool to hear that everybody's enjoying the trail series that Paddle and Finn's got going on. Um, so like always, we're going to get into tournament recap, and there is a lot of it. So just stick it out with me. It'll be worth it. So we will start. Let's see. I got them all pulled up, but there's so many of them. They've all clashed together. All right. Starting with Iowa Kayak Anglers. Uh, they were in the... Okaboji area um, and a couple of lakes. Uh, West Okaboji, East, Big Spirit, Upper and Lower Gar, and Minnewashta. Uh, 40 anglers. Uh, Josiah Meter took that one with 90.5. Second place, Corey Sherman with 87. Third place, Joe Bailey with 87. Lost to the tiebreaker. Uh, Corey took it with a 19 and a quarter over an 18 and a quarter. Um... Next up, Queen City Kayak Anglers. Uh, their sixth event on Lake Hartwell. They had 158 anglers. Uh, they was partnered with the Hobie event. Um, I think I may have just told you wrong. Nope, I was right. So, uh, yeah, 158 anglers. They do the four fish stringer, which is awesome because nobody else is doing it. Uh, Mr. Ling Vang, first place, 75 and a quarter. Ewing Minor, second place, was 74 and a half. 
third place, Brian Nelly with 72. Congrats to those guys. And again, in conjunction with that was the Hobie BOS two day event on Lake Hartwell. Um, Ewing Miner won that one with 174 and three quarters. So we got a first in this one and second in the, the other, uh, Chris Grant, second place, 168 and three quarter. And Matt Hodge with third with 165 and a half for the two days. So congrats to those guys. All right, moving on. West Virginia kayak anglers were on their Summersville event. They had, let me get to it, 92 anglers, uh, five fish limit. Philip Backus won that with 76 and a quarter. Mark Edwards second with 73. Blaine Winters third with 70 and a half. Uh, moving on from there, we have the uh, Pennsylvania Bass Nation event. Uh, so let's see what they had. They had 31 anglers. First place went to Stephen Frank with 97 and a half. Second place to Adam Nickel with 96. Third place to Chad Foster with 95 and a half. And they were up there on Erie. So they did those 90 inch stringers. That's killer. And when I was taking a look at them, it was, I wish I could share this picture, but some giant smallmouth. I would share that picture, but I would end up crashing this stream trying to figure that out on the fly. So uh, moving on from there, we had the Buckeye Kayak Fishing Trail. They were on Mosquito Creek Lake, 59 anglers. Sean Skidmore first with 82nd and three quarter. Uh, Robert Weicker, second place, 78 and a quarter. Uh, third place, Kevin Sams, 76 and three quarters. Congrats to those guys. All right. Going on from there, we had the All-American Kayak Series. I'm pretty sure this was in conjunction with the uh iowa event i'm trying to find if that's true but hold on we lost it it just crashed on me go figure there it is got it back up they had 54 anglers uh first place for that one was uh, again josiah meter with 90 and a half second place was mike de brune with 89 and a quarter really close there Third place, Ty Steincooler with 88.5. Moving on from there, we wish you were here, Dan. The Iron City Kayak Anglers down there in his area were on Lay Lake, which he let me know is his least favorite lake down there. And he absolutely can't stand it, but now he has to love it because Dan pulled out a big win, three fish limit down there. He had 55 inches anchored with a big 20-inch largemouth. Uh, second place was John Perez with 49 and a half. So Dan put a big lead on him and third place, Mr. Coley McGowan with 48 and a half. So congrats to those guys. Big crap. Congrats to, uh, Mr. Dan. Wish you were here, buddy. I wanted to hear about this one. Uh, next up Georgia kayak fishing league. They were in the social circle area. They had 34 anglers. First place, Greg Murphy with 83 and a quarter. Second place, Randy Zhang with 81 and a half. Third place, Pao Yi Tao with 81. If I ruined that name, I'm so sorry. I tried. Uh, moving on, Oklahoma kayak anglers were on Lake Yuka, maybe? Uh, I ain't got the knowledge to say that one right. Uh, first place, Kong Zhang with 92 inches. Second place, Jason Ray with 90 and a half. Third place, Avery Metcalf with 89. So some really good limits coming out of Oklahoma right now. That's that's killer. Uh, next up, we had a, a charity event, the 
prayers for Kaylee Foundation doing the casting for Kaylee Kayak Tournament. They were on Lake Gunnersville. They had 32 anglers. Randall Wallace, the local hammer, taking it out again with 90 and a half. You just can't beat him on that lake right now. Second place, another great Gunnersville angler, Brandon Watson with 85. So Randall again put a few inches to secure that lead. And third place, John Bubba Jones. Congrats, Bubba. I guarantee you, you and Randall were probably fishing close enough to spit in each other's boat like normal. Uh, next up was the Cats event in, uh, it was a statewide event in Texas, and it's the event if you listen to or look at KBN or any of our kayak social media, there's been some uproar about this one, uh, with some of the judging and stuff like that. But, uh, first place was Derek Taylor with 103 and a half inches. Second place was Robert Adcock with 97 and three quarter and third place, Tyler Howell with 97 and a half. So second and third were really close. Uh, just a few more folks, uh, East Texas kayak fishing was on, was in Chandler, Texas. Trying to see, it was on, uh, Palestine. Uh, first place, Matt Frentress with 97 and a half. Second place, Chad Dagley with 91 and three quarter. Third place, John Mooney with 91. Moving on, Midwest Kayak Bass Club was on the Madison Chain out there in Wisconsin. They had 38 anglers. First place, Mr. Yang. I can't even begin to pronounce your first name, Bubba. I'm so sorry. 82 inches, uh, just barely easing out second with Jordan Hopner with 81 and a quarter. And third place, Peter Wellsmith with 80 inches. Uh, Kayak Fishing Utah Bass Tour. So uh, they were in. Hiram, Utah, uh, they had 54 anglers. First place, Cody Henley with 84 and a quarter. Second place, John McLaren with 74 and three quarter. Third place, Rob Allen with 73 and a half. And last but not least, the American Bass Kayak Series statewide in California. 34 anglers. First place, Jonathan DeMonet with 104 and a quarter. Really nice fish on that one. Go check that one out. Second place, Brian Lepke with 99 and three quarter. Third place, Christian Mendoza with 92 and a half. So a lot of tournaments. We're seeing way more than ever this time of the year. Uh, and with the explosion of kayak fishing. So that's all we got. Uh, thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. Uh, kind of different just kicking it with one host, but I took care of it. hope you all enjoyed it. Um, everybody stay safe and, you know, enjoy yourself out on the water. It's a great time of year to be fishing. Uh, we'll see you next week. Good night. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.
On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.